Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. With a hefty spring market on our heels, the guys cover four key actions you can take that may help you make an extra 10% on your home sale, all while enjoying Blue Note Crossroads Bourbon Whiskey. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. I am Charlie Sardelli. And I am Jameson Amaros. And as you guys can see, we are missing a third leg of the tripod. We're missing the casting couch. <laughs> that is what it is. Damn it. The uh, velvet casting couch. Yes. This, this does feel a little bit too snug. Yeah, well, yeah. not snug. I would say non-sexual for me. Yeah. Sure. yeah. You know, it's a little bit too formal. <laughs> the silk the silk yeah. couch usually does it for me. Um, but... Unfortunately, Oscar uh, Oscar was was taken out by a bug this week. Yep. Uh, but today's his birthday, so happy birthday, Oscar! Oscar, happy sorry. birthday, brother. Hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, man. Sorry, sorry you're not here with us today to enjoy this fine bourbon. But you're getting better, and we're we're, we're looking forward to having you back. Yes, sir. Um, guys, remember we drop our our video episodes uh, weekly on the YouTube channel as well as weekly um, on all streaming platforms: Apple TV, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, all of them. Right. So please be sure to tune in. Uh, thank you guys so much for the continued support that you've been giving us. I mean, we just launched this, the channel, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. Right? I mean, officially a week ago, really. Really, yeah. Right? And we're already at almost 20 subscribers. So thank you guys so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, this It's so cool to see what we're doing actually take hold for you guys and, and actually have a bit of a purpose, you know? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of comments just from people watching some of the videos saying that they've gotten information that they didn't have previously, mm-hmm. which is the whole reason we do this. Right? Exactly. That's the whole point. Uh, exactly. You know, we're obviously realtors in Colorado and we'd love for you guys to give it a shout and use us. But if you can take this knowledge and make your own experience better, smoother, more profitable, whatever that looks like, ultimately that's what the goal is. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it was really cool, especially after last week. I've got people in high school yeah. that, I, you know, that have joined the military and moved away. And one of my best friends is in Arizona right now. And it, you saw, you had it out oh, yeah. too. It was like, hey man, do you have it? Can you answer any questions on VA loans for me? Actually, we are here's episode 16. Exactly. <laughs> Minute mark 22. Right, right. Well, and, and for today's episode, guys, what we're going to do for you is we're going to give a little bit of kind of a market market update on, on inventory, stuff like that. Um, and based on that information, what we're going to do is try and give you, you know, three or four things that you can do to help you sell your home and basically add value in that higher net. Yes. We always say that in this market, in any industry, right? If you're not in it every single day, the average consumer is three to four months behind. Yep. Right. Uh, perfect example is what we've seen with interest rates mm-hmm. and buyers coming in using rate buy downs and concessions. Guys, the interest rates were this high in November. Yep. And nobody was buying anything. And then all of a sudden, home prices actually increased a little bit. And now we're in March and we're seeing people buying at these interest rates using the things that we were talking about back in September and October of last year. Yep. So it's not a knock on anybody, but this is part of the the big driving force of why we wanted to do this is to arm you guys with information before most people. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a scenario where the things that we're going to talk about around how do you get your home ready to sell is not a, hey, you should go out and renovate things. It's we're seeing a shift that I think is going to take hold in the next four to six months. And the goal is to get you guys prepared and ahead of the curve. So when that does happen and you guys do decide to list, you're already there. Yeah. And I mean, I think the most important part of that as well is that, you know, we're not we're not just saying this to have you spend money. Like Jameson is saying, this is these are things that you can do to help prepare for what's coming. Yep. Um, and another thing that you can do to help prepare for things is drink fine bourbon. Which I think we do that weekly. Di- sure. Right? Weekly. 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 <laughs> Not daily. Not at all. Not at all. Weekly. Right? Yes. <laughs> weekly. Um, but today's bourbon, you know, we of course, as we normally do, we, we took a couple we took a couple sips beforehand. Quality control. That's right. You have to make sure it's not poison. We're here for you guys. That's right. you know, it's it's if, if we just Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can't just I gotta know what I'm drinking before I drink it. Exactly, exactly. Um, but it's Blue Note, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and based out of Memphis, Tennessee. You know, Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. I, I like it. I like it. And, and for me, this is this is pretty close to home. Um, you know, coming from Western North Carolina, I, and I tell the story all the time. I've actually had popcorn Sutton's. Yep, moonshine. I used, yeah, you know, and, and it's so it's always cool for me to to get something back mm-hmm. from from that area, especially because they do do it a little bit differently. Yep. And I know that the weather out there is ridiculous compared to you know some predictability that you have in Kentucky oh, yeah. the humidity alone in Tennessee 
is way different. So it it does a little bit different to the aging process yep. and the taste overall. And then um, this one here uses French oak, French oak barrels, French oak barrels, right? Um, and they were they were talking about how with this bottle, the reason that they use French oak is because it has a different space in the in the pores. Yeah, so the green is tighter. And okay. when the grain's tighter, you get a um, more tannins are released into the alcohol, mm -hmm. which numbs some of, some of the spirit. So, okay. if, and they, you'll see French oak barrels and barrels of that type on higher proof liquors. Yeah, because okay. it takes some of the bite out. So, anytime you introduce some tannins, it mellows out a little bit of that heat that we normally talk about in a high proof. This is a hundred proof uh, bottle, so they use the French oak barrels to give it a little bit more mellow of a taste, and then it adds some of that charred aftertaste yeah. that you that you can get um, when you use a French chard book. Well, I mean, and that to the, I, I like that that the reason that they do that is to enforce the flavor. Yes. You know, because a lot of, we, we've seen it in the past. Um, a lot of these bourbons, they, they want to go more natural with it. They don't really want to enhance the tannins, which basically those are the, the molecules, the flavor in the bourbon that gives you that, what, what Oscar likes to say, leather or, yes. or dirt or grass, the flavor. Or right? horse manure. Horse manure. I've seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's an important note is that now this this is a bourbon that is trying to complement those mm -hmm. tannins instead of kind of just go no we're, we're going with the taste of the yep. wood yep. kind of a thing so uh, honestly i'm excited to see how this one opens up throughout the episode yeah i think the point was they wanted a high proof right. higher proof not okay. higher proof that was easy to drink mm -hmm. right and you could still enjoy it you don't get you know like oscar says all the time you, know, you get that fire yes um, this smells it out for sure. And you can still taste it. Right. You know what I think we should do? Yeah. I, I want to have just, but they don't have to be on for the whole episode, but I want to have somebody who's not a normal bourbon drinker on the episode just so we can get that, you know, maybe like a little cut to them. Like, this is, this is what their face look like, yep. right? Um, ultimately, because a lot of the times we do see people go, oh, well, yeah, you guys describe flavor, but it, I just get a burn. And I think it was um, Michael on last week's episode when he first tasted it, he's like, he was like, I'm getting the burn. I, I haven't gotten the caramel or anything yet. Yeah, it's We're just, just like, like, a, like a quick indoctrination yep. <laughs> of people. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. The uh, So the, the oak barrels, just to go to the French oak barrels, The and I wanted to get this right just because, one, they're expensive barrels. So yeah. If you're using them, you're using them for a reason. Right? Mm -hmm. These things run $1,500 a barrel just, just for the barrel to buy at minimum. Um, so essentially what they do is it's a subtle and firmer flavor. The tannins, though, are silkier because of how tight the wood grain is. Mm -hmm. So it's a more savory flavor is kind of what they're going for, yeah. which then complements that high proof that we were talking about. Well, yeah, and even you think about, you know, we've talked about the caramelization of the wood, the sugars in right. the wood. Yep. Having that tighter green mm -hmm. is going to leave a more concentrated yep. sweetness. Yeah, and these guys do a bunch of different, they have seven or eight different bourbons. They're aged differently. They have an 18-year or 10-year. They have a 17-year that's fantastic that I've had once before. Mm -hmm. Uh, with one of the other realtors uh, that we worked with. And, um, I mean, it's fantastic. They call it the Juke Joint Whiskey. So it's got that kind of jazz feel. It's Memphis. Well, I mean, I like, I like here, let me see if I can, I can show you guys here. But on the bottle, you have the, the classic, classic blues. Yeah. Blue shrouding here with the, yeah, with, 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 the, <laughs> with, with the guitar on his back. So, I mean, this one doesn't really have an interesting story, but I would like to think that. Make it up, baby. But the way that I like to think about it is, the gentleman just got done playing playing a night of music, playing good jazz and and some blues, and he's walking down the road, and he gets to a crossroads, and in life or just 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 at a crossroads, right in Tennessee, just after getting done playing some blues, and all of a sudden as he walks up, the lights start to flicker, things get a little bit darker, clouds roll in, and then out of nowhere a bottle appears in the center of the crossroads, and the guitar player is questionable, but it's been a long night. So he goes over and he picks up the bottle, pops a cap, and smells it, and he takes a sip. And the next thing he knows, he's playing front of stage in front of a crowd of people, and he is the next Elvis Presley. Love it. That's how. That's my story. For Absolutely. Me. That's exactly how this was bottled. Right? T. I don't right. know how you did that. I gave you no prior research, and you just <laughs> nailed it on that. Perfect. That was amazing. You even got the guy's name right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What was his name? Uh, Blue. Yep. <laughs> there it is. Good old last name, last name note. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy, You're my boy Blue. <laughs> well, I'm I'm excited to taste this and see if we also end up on stage. Yeah, absolutely, somewhere. <laughs> Thank you for pouring it because now it's you know it's a little little more open than it was. So let's go ahead and get it. Cheers. 
I'm gonna be really careful that glass. I've almost knocked it over. I, like they're not feel like weighted, right? <laughs> I will say definitely, definitely tinges the nostrils. Hot on the <laughs> all I can think about is anchor man. Changes the off. That's what that's little point. blue said when he found it in the middle of the street. When he right? sniffed it at first, yeah, that's what it was. It was his spear. As a matter of fact, that was the first song he wrote after buying this bottle or uh, finding this bottle was tinging of the nostrils. Nostril tinges. Nostril tinges. But I'm the classic bluegrass song that you guys have probably never heard of. But you're missing out. It's fantastic. I will. I will say definitely, like you said, though, there is a. There is a heat on the on the on the on the nose, um, but I get through it for sure. You yeah, get that sweetness through it. That's not bad, man. No, it's really not. That's not bad. First first impression. That forty dollar bottle. Yeah, or not finding a little of the street on a rainy night. Free. Yeah, for, <laughs> by the spirit. By the spirit. <laughs> and, and yeah, ultimately, definitely getting that. That that caramel, mm-hmm. um, and again, guys, I'm sorry. I, just to let you in, I eat a I eat a king size Reese cup before every episode, so a lot of my fla- a lot of my flavors come from the sweet. You're the Marshawn Lynch of podcasts. Yeah, that's that's Shubble- me, baby. <laughs> Shoveling Skittles in your mouth. That's right. It, I'll, I'll see if I can get a behind the scenes for you guys, where I'm just huddled in the corner eating my Reese cup. Yep. <laughs> but hey, it's intimidating, all right? You gotta you gotta get it for all these people. Do it right, you know. But ultimately, I. I I'm still very excited to see how this opens up. Yeah. Uh for you know, we we opened it up a little bit earlier, but just in that in that amount of time that you poured it already, that that burn is kind of gone for me. Mm-hmm. It's there, don't get me wrong, and you definitely get that when you breathe in, you feel the burn at the back at the back of your throat, but the flavor sits on the tongue. It is. It's a really good flavor. Mm-hmm. It's a really good flavor. It uh, the complexity of it. Yeah, it doesn't overpower it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the burn melts into it. I, yeah, no, I I like it. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Spice too, mm-hmm. definitely. I want to say like cardamom. I'm almost tasting that kind of a yeah. spice. Yeah, you know what I mean. More, more, not really like spicy as far as heat wise, but right. more, more floral of a spice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. That. And I think it, that'll open up even more as mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm gonna go ahead and set it down here for a second. Uh, so I mean, as we look at this market coming up, you know, we do see a lot of these these new build homes, like we talked about two weeks ago, the sentiment is is going up. They they have a little bit more confidence in building now. Yes, yeah. So the National Association of Home Builders comes out every month, and they come out with a builder confidence index, right? And the big story going up through essentially December, like basically all of last year, was we had twelve straight months of declining sentiment, meaning the builders were not as optimistic about the current market. And when that happens, a couple of things happen. Number one, you start to see home prices go down on new construction. You start to see incentives pile up. We talked a little bit about that a couple of episodes ago. Yep. And then you see building new build permits being pulled uh, go down because they're afraid that if they dig too many holes, they're not going to be able to sell them. And yep. just as a kind of a background, the way new build communities work is they buy the land, right? Mm-hmm. The development. So let's say it's a Richmond, a Lenar. Meritage, whoever it is, they're going to yep. buy them. They're the track homes, we call them. Some people have worse names for them. I call them track homes. And they, uh, they, they'll they buy land. And then obviously, most they're not, they're not paying cash for that land, right? Yeah. They're financing it. Mm-hmm. So what they do, though, is they have a deal with their lender that when they have that land, every month they have to sell a certain amount of homes mm-hmm. on that land. And if they don't, they now have to pay extra interest on that loan. So it benefits them if they're not selling homes. So drop prices, add incentives, do all these different things. And you saw you saw them not purchase as many lots and not build or not pull as many permits because the sentiment was going down. Yeah. When that happens, obviously inventory gets constrained. And we've said it before, we're in this weird thing where we have low inventory but high interest rates. Yep. So it's like it should be a seller's market, but homes are sitting because people can't afford it. So we're in this weird, you know, purchase weird in between. Yeah. Weird. Prices are still elevated. With the elevated interest rates, so now yes. we're in this position where it's like, okay, should I buy? Is there going to be a better time? And right. getting a lot of that waiting. That's yeah. Coming. So, for example, I mean, you, if you look at what people think the market's going to do as far as home valuations over the next year, it's all over the place. It's from some people are saying we're going to increase home values by five percent. 
on the high end mm-hmm. and then by as low as 10% on, on the other side of the spectrum. So yeah. we really don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And all of this is speculation. We can have fundamentals that we talk about to kind of guide you guys in the right direction. But at the end of the day, it's such a subjective there's too many product factors. and there's too many factors. Yeah. And there's things that are outside of our control that will affect supply, demand, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. when we talk about the new home builders, the reason we bring that up is because since January, so January, February, and now March, we've had three months in a row of positive builder sentiment, which means it's gone up. Now, it's not great, right? It's on a scale of zero to 100, and we're at a 46 this month, but we were at a 44 last month. We were at a 37 in January. We are at a 33 in December, I believe is what those numbers were. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to be like one or two off. Yeah. It's around there. I'll pull it up here in a minute. But the point is it declined from January to December of 2022. Mm-hmm. So far in 2023, we have three straight months three straight months of increase in sentiment, yeah. which means builders are now more likely to pull home permits, dig holes, which hopefully means that we're going to get more supply. Yep. And what more supply will lead to is more competition for sellers. Correct. Right? And and that that's really what drove this conversation today is as we see this, we're gonna, this is going to be the first time or potential to be the first time in the last three to four years that you're really going to have to kind of edge edge your bets and, and invest to sell your house because you could be going up against somebody who's going to do these things and outsell you. Yes. Right? If you look at it, so February, um, I just pulled the stats actually, so I'm just going to pull this up real quick. So yeah. Accurate. Yeah. But, and this is Colorado specific. Yes. So. Yes. But like we said in the past, the, the cool thing about Colorado is it, it has proven to be a, a market um, tell basically. Yeah. So here's this is why I say this market's just fucking weird. Yeah, that's the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. People are like, hey, well, how, how's the market? I'm like, I don't fucking know. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's defying the laws of physics right now. But in February, and this is this just got updated a couple days ago, listings, active listings, are up a hundred and thirteen percent. Okay, wild. So if I give you just that number, you're mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that's amazing. Yep. Until I tell you that the active listings, there's only thirty eight hundred. Right? Yep. So we're talking 100%. That means we were like 2,300, somewhere around there, uh, last February. Yep. So that's tight inventory. This is less tight, but for context, in 2007, um, the the MLS, so the Colorado mm-hmm. uh, matrix, right, that lists how many homes are for sale, averaged 20,000 listings a month. We're at 3,800. Yep. And we have more people moving here than we did in 2000, right? So that's why I'm saying it's a weird market. The good news is supplies starting to creep back up. Yep. Now the flip side of that, and why this is so weird, uh, the listings closed down 18 percent from mm-hmm. that same February. Mm-hmm. So we're up 113 percent in active listings, but we're down in closed listings, mm-hmm. and it's because as inventory is coming on the market, interest rates are still hovering in the mid to high sixes. Yep. So affordability is an issue. Yep. What we think is going to happen is as we go through this year, if interest rates fall, right? And we saw it uh, a month ago when they went to like 5.875. Mm-hmm. Uh, mortgage applications increased almost 30% just in that week. Yeah, and it was like 28% over the weekend. And we, as interest rates get lower, what's going to happen is this lockout thing that's happening in the middle, we call it the move up market, yeah. uh, is going to start to dissipate. Because right now, 99% of homes in the United States have a mortgage rate under 6%. Mm-hmm. Okay? 75% have it under 5%. Yep. So those people have no reason, no impetus yeah. to sell their house and buy something else if they're going to have an interest rate that's almost 2% higher than what they have currently. Yep. However, as the interest rate starts to come down, we'll start to see that loosen up a bit. And you still get that whole, hey, I had a kid, I need a new house. Or, hey, yep. I got a job, I got to move. Or, hey, I'm working from home, I need bigger space. All those things are going to continue to build up. So we think that over the next three to four, maybe called six months, if we see inventory rates continue to increase, now we see interest rates continue to decrease. The sellers are now going to go from, oh, I can just put my house on the market. And even if it's 30 days, it's still quicker than it was two years ago. Yep. To okay, I'm competing with like 15, 20 other houses. Exactly. So how do I sell my house for top dollar if all of a sudden buyers are already wary because they don't want to spend too much because of interest rates and now they have more choices? What's going to happen? Well, the same thing we talked about in September mm-hmm. when people should be talking about rate buy-downs and they didn't until March. Yep, yep. And I'll tell you what, JMO, to answer your question, We've got four amazing things that sellers can do in order to help them. Hey, Charlie, I have a question. <laughs> what are what are four things that sellers can potentially do to help them? Hey, Jimson, 
I'd let him ask you. I'd, I'd love to tell you. My boy Blue told me to ask that question. Oh, you heard it. I talked to you, the spirit. See, he sang a song. We just, yeah. we just, we just got it going now. It's, it's, it's in there. Yeah, it was off his. So, of, uh, toasted nostrils. <laughs> what, what we see uh, normally during during these these times of sales is people start looking for tactics in order to help them sell their homes faster, mm-hmm. right? So, what we've done is we kind of scoured and looked through experience, through articles, stuff like that, statistics. As to what statistics, statistics, <laughs> as to what are, what are top things that you can do, yep. right? And what we kind of narrowed it down to is staging, landscaping, renovations, mm-hmm. and photography, mm-hmm. right? So the first one, I keep kicking this mic. The, the first one that I want to do um, is talk about staging. Okay. Um, and what's really interesting about staging is when it first started being done, staging was normally used in the lower income homes, the lower sure. priced homes. Yep. And that makes it a lot in fix and flips. Yes. Yes. And that's what is what is staging? So staging is setting up your home in a way that benefits the sale. And what I mean by that is making it look sell ready. Right. So as an example, and I'll throw it up on the screen here. If you walk into a home and it looks cluttered and it looks like, hey, this the couch isn't matching the end tables, you know, the 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 fireplace has cracks on it, stuff like that. That doesn't have things that look nice mm-hmm. to the to, to the buyer. It's not yep. perceived well. Versus, I want to walk in and picture the changes that I can make. Yep. The thing, everything looks, I don't want to say perfect, but structured. It's structured enough to where the buyer goes in and can imagine either living in it in that way or making it easy for them to reimagine how they want it. Okay. Right? Um, so, with that being said... Like I said earlier, it was done in, in lower lower cost homes, right? And now what we're seeing is because of the benefit of what staging can do, homes now that are seven hundred thousand plus are using it more than homes that are that are lower. And when you think about it, you have shows like Million Dollar Listing, all these all these shows that emphasize basically production ready homes. Sure. That's gonna lead to that, right? And I mean it's not it's not just a, a hearsay. No. Right? And and when you think about it too, right? It's scientific. Exactly. There's statistics, numbers. Thank you, math. Right. And and what what you see is on average, people are going to spend, you know, there, there's two different ways that you can do staging. Right. You can either do it monthly for whole home or you can do it per room. Mm-hmm. Right. The average per room cost is anywhere between four hundred to seven hundred dollars a yep. month. And then you average whole home can range anywhere between seventeen thousand and, and twenty five hundred on the high highest. Seventeen hundred. Yeah. Seventeen hundred to twenty five hundred. Yeah. Per month. Per month. Yep. Per month, but what that and when you hear that as a as a seller, you're gonna go wait wait wait. I, that means over if my house sits for two two months, sixty days, I'm gonna spend an extra four thousand dollars. Yeah, but what if I told you that staging a home on average nets you eight to ten percent ROI return on investment? Mm-hmm. You make eight to ten percent more just for spending that seventeen to twenty two hundred dollars. Well, and I'll be honest too, if you have a fully staged home, nicely staged. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about staging guys, it could be a lot of different things, right? Let's say you have an empty room in your house. Uh, a stage will come in and put two chairs like this, right? If this is your style, you're getting, <laughs> which probably not, I wouldn't recommend it, but it is what it teaches up. Uh, matching end tables, uh, succulent plants and some nice pottery, a lamp, and they essentially stage it to make it look like it's a well cared for lived in space. Exactly. Right? If you have that throughout a vacant home and that home has been sitting in this market, I just said, yes, listings are up, closed are down, 3,800 homes. That's that's not a lot. Like I, I want to emphasize that is not a lot of new homes on the market. Yep. You add that on to the homes that, that ran over from January, you may be talking about 5,000 homes total mm-hmm. in the Denver metro area, which has a population of almost 2 million. Like, yep. It's not a lot of homes, right? So my point is, if you have it staged like that for two months and it's sitting there's something else wrong. It's yeah. probably pricing. Just yep. throwing it out. Well, and not only that, it, the reason I bring up the, the time on market, right, is because another statistic of staging is that you are going to sell your home 40 to 60 days earlier than you would have right. regardless, right? So the way to look at that, guys, is would you spend, let's let's go mid-ground, let, let's go $2,000. Mm-hmm. Would you spend $2,000 to make eight? Right. We'll go eight low, yep. right? Yeah. I would do that every day, especially because just by paying for the staging and doing the staging, 
I'm lessening my fear of paying for the staging. Correct. Right? Yeah. Because you're not going to, it's not going to sit on market as long. Yes. So, but give you a better opportunity. You have to have a strategy, right? Because I've also had mm -hmm. people will stage houses, but will overprice them yes. and think that the staging, staging is going to fix the fact that the house is overpriced. Yes. And at the end of the day, if you're staged for 30 days and you have 25 people come into that house and it's nicely staged and nobody wants to make an offer, it's not the staging. Yes. Most likely the price. Yep. So you have to have a strategy with your realtor, whoever that is, to make sure, yes, I'm going to spend money on this to make my my home more appealing. Yes. But I also need to make sure I'm aware of the other factors because with a low inventory environment, you should be selling your house quicker. Yep. Honestly, if it's priced right yeah. and it's staged, it should go relatively quick. Yeah. And just and just for the viewers, for you guys at home, just to give you a little bit more of a psychological background on it, right? What I'm going to do for you guys here is I'm going to throw a pic two pictures up on the screen and I'm only going to leave them for a couple of seconds. And what I want you to do is think about your knee-jerk reaction, okay? So picture one and picture two. Now, which one would you rather go with? Yep. And that's our point right there, is regardless of, of what you think, our natural instinct is to go to the place that looks neater, the place that looks nicer. I mean, look at, walk into any new build community and go into their model homes. Mm-hmm. They are staged to the nines, yep. including wall features, yep. lighting, light fixtures. They what, do that for a reason. What is it called? It, the white glove standard? Yes. Right? Right. So if I go into, and I just did one, um, if you guys follow me on TikTok, I did a a, a, a walkthrough on a Taylor Morton, sorry, Toll Brothers house. And uh, we walk through and they purposely add features that you can't physically get from the builder, a.k.a a entire accent wall with shiplap yep or a three-dimensional accent wall or a fully stone veneer fireplace mm -hmm. that goes up 20 feet they add those now if i go and build that same house for 1.2 million guess what if i say hey can i get that accent wall you know what they're gonna tell me no yep. that's not the point Sale. the point is i walked in and i saw the potential mm -hmm. and human beings are visual creatures hence why we do this podcast on video, yep, right? We could do it just audio. It, we wouldn't get the same reaction because people are visual creatures. 100%. And when you're buying something, you want it to be visually appealing. Think about any marketing strategy ever. One of the best ones, and I think I'll always remember this, Apple, Yep. when they came out with the first, the AirPod Nano, mm -hmm. and they had, their commercial was like a white silhouette with the wired ear, yes, wired earphones, mm -hmm. dancing with a bright flashing background, right? Yep. And then the really cool song in the background. Mm -hmm. That thing was the best selling thing of all time yep. during that that time period when MP3 is, and they were going against a bunch of different people, oh, yeah. right? Zune, uh, Sony Walkman, a bunch of different things, right? Yeah. They had a simple marketing plan, but what they did is they made it visually appealing mm -hmm. because they know people, and ever since, if you watch an Apple event, if you watch an Apple commercial, they are so hung up on the visuals because they understand that if it's pleasing to the human eye, we are more likely to purchase it. Yep. And that is the exact same reason why staging can work so well in somebody's home. Well, and to that point too, to our next our next point of of you know helping sell is renovations, right? A lot of people now we're talking costs just like we did with staging. A lot of people go, wait, wait, wait. You want me to repaint? You want me to spend that? You want me to to change the carpet? You want me to? I'll tell you what. I did I did a showing this last weekend. Yep. And we walked in. And the first three things that the people commented on were the outdated cabinets, the rugs, and the hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. So, yes, change them. Yep. You know what I mean? Because that's the first thing. But again, when your agent asks you to, and when even if you want to do it yourself, it is because the return on investment has shown, has been proven, that if you put that work in, you will make more money on the back end. Yeah. And people complicate renovations, right? Like mm -hmm. when I say renovations, I go, oh my God, I got to redo my kitchen. Yep. Not necessarily. Hire a contractor that can paint your cabinets white if you have stainless steel appliances. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if you want to re-carpet, I just went over this with one of our, our vendors. So a 2,000, 1,500 square foot home mm -hmm. to get brand new carpet ripped and replaced, you can do it for two grand. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That $2,000, if, if you have stained carpet and you have the time and the ability to just rip it out and then put new carpet in, it makes a massive difference. It's 2000 bucks. Yep. But if that $2,000 gets 15 more people interested in your house, you're talking, you're going to make four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 extra on your home. Yep. Uh, fresh coat of neutral paint. We talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, JC, you know, one of our, one of my mentors, 
um, the reason we have this glass here at the front, uh, he was always, he was famous because I, I went house shopping with him before uh, I was a realtor, while he was a realtor. And I swear to God, dude, in every house, he'd be like, you know what I would do on this house? I'm like, what's up? He goes, paint the walls gray and white. He wouldn't let people paint his own house because his brain was always in the resale mode. Yeah. And like, you know, his wife would be like, hey, I'd love to paint this like a nice accent wall with blues and reds. No, why not? Because if we resell the house, we're just going to paint it over. Yeah. Right. But it's because <laughs> it's like simple, cheap yes. stuff. Yes. You can spend money on a major kitchen renovation, right? Let's say you spend $20,000 on a kitchen renovation. Average return on investment, ROI, is 70%. Yep. Okay. A lot of people think, well, if I spend 20000 on a kitchen renovation, I'm going to be able to get, at least get 20000 plus plus some. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. The goal is to make your home more appealing. Exactly. Right? And the, the balancing act is if it's for you, that's different. Right. If you're going to do it to just make your own life, like if I were to finish my base in my house right now, yep. I'm not doing it as a resale standpoint. I'm doing it so I have more space in my home. Will it get me more money on my house? Sure. But for example, if I add a bedroom and a bathroom, if you had a bedroom, it's anywhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars on the purchase price per yep. bedroom. Bathrooms call it five to seven thousand dollars on the purchase price for a bathroom, right? Okay. So if I finish a basement, I'm gonna add call it twenty grand. Yep. Okay. Just for the bedroom and bathroom that I finish the basement. The basement's going to cost me 60. So then I might get another 20 to 30 value out of a, having a wet bar with a little rec area, whatever yep. it is. So essentially, I'm all in at 60,000. I'm going to get 50 back. But again, I'm paying off the principal of my house when I do want to sell it in five years or whatever that is. And I had a finished basement. It's finished square feet. It's an extra bedroom, extra bathroom. Instead of being able to sell my house at 700,000, I might be able to sell it at 750. Yep. And in those years, if I paid down the principal enough, it could make sense. Mm hmm. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I mean, the, the biggest thing about the renovations that, that I personally want to drive home is don't look at the cost up front and get scared of it. Right. Yeah. And, and in everything that we say, it all comes down to do what's right for you. Right. If it's in the budget, do it. If it's not, don't. But understand that this isn't just something that agents that we're saying that other you know, other agents say because we want you to spend money yep. because we're, we're going all oh, just we want to make more money on this. So please do this. That That is besides the fact. It's the fact of when you were in a market like this, where now you're going to have to do some things that make your that make your property stand yes. out. Correct. These are the things that if you spend $2,000 here, $3,000 mm-hmm. there, you're going to make an extra twenty five to 40000 Yeah. So, you know, don't be short-minded on it. Step back, breathe it out, and truthfully work it out. And if you see the value and you, you and your realtor genuinely say, hey, look, if we do this, where we can sell and we can get this price, do it. If not, don't. Or, I mean, it, it makes, you know, I, so for example, I have a client right now that needs to sell their house quickly. We don't have time to make renovations, remove carpet, so on and so forth. Yep. So we're going to we're gonna list, we're going to put on the market, we're going to get feedback, we're going to see what people say. It's an older carpet, interior needs price, some updating, and we're going to figure out, hey, what is this worth in this market, right? Yep. It could be, hey, inventory's low, people are going to buy it anyway. Fantastic. If we had more time, I would suggest some small, cheap things, paint, carpet, refinish the floors, and be done. And then you'll get that investment. So from the stat man, since you guys missed me for that one week, I'm going to give you guys just a couple of, so I'm going to leave out exterior renovations because we're going to talk about that with curb appeal. Yeah. But interior renovations, I'm going to give you guys, and this is from 2023. So this takes into account the labor costs that we've got, supply chain issues, inflation, all that good stuff to give you guys an idea of if you were to renovate something, what your expected return on investment would be. So if you guys are ready, um, we'll go minor kitchen renovation, Mm -hmm. right? So we're talking maybe repaint the cabinets, redo the kitchen countertops, and add in some new appliances, roughly. So that normally right now will cost around $26,000 on average for a minor kitchen renovation. Your resale value you get is about $18,900. So that's about a 72% return, which is good. Yep. And you get to enjoy the kitchen while you're still living there. Um, another big one we talk about is bathroom remodels. So if you do a bathroom remodel mid-range, which you'll see in a lot of fix and flips, which is essentially tear out the tub, tile the shower, new vanity, new flooring, uh, efficient toilet, and a mirror, that's going to cost you about twenty dollars to $24,000. Mm-hmm. Your return is about 14600 I mean, I'll be real with you. I love my bathroom. Like, that's... I, like I said, my girlfriend just recently moved in with me. It's been wonderful. And the one thing I told her was, I get the bathroom. Yep. Like, I would 100% be that person that walks in and be like, wow, 
Look at that tub. Mm -hmm. They put some extra effort into it. I'm going to consider this a little yep. bit more. Because exactly. You know what? Damn it. I like baths. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid to say it. Yep. I I don't <laughs> like baths, but I, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Oh, trust me. I got I got the whole setup going. Yep. So here's, here's another big one that people fight me on all the time. Major kitchen remodel. Yes. So, and if you go on Instagram, there's some cool pages that will mm. do like full kitchen remodels that are... I mean, this on average is $75,000. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people go, oh, if I spend seventy five grand to just completely change my kitchen layout, everything, I'm going to get my money back. On average, 57% return. So if you spend $75,000, you are going to recoup about forty four. So what you're telling me is it's better to renovate your bathroom than your entire kitchen. So take a bath, baby. Damn or, right, baby. Renovate or, or <laughs> go crazy, major renovation on the kitchen, add a bathtub in the kitchen. Boom. I mean, dude, you know what I'm saying? You just changed the game. If you're slow cooking some pork shoulder, baby, you got feed hours. You're gonna be feeding me grapes in the kitchen. Saying in my bath in my kitchen bathtub. Hey, look, numbers don't perfect. Hey, ball don't lie. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's ball don't lie. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not everything. Yeah. And there's a cost for it. And again, we're dealing with inflation still. It's coming mm -hmm. down, but that's also affecting some of the ROI. So it's just it's good. And another interesting point about this you guys gotta realize is Certain renovations will do better or worse depending on the specific neighborhood Absolutely. and price point that you're in, mm -hmm. right? So a major kitchen renovation upscale is going to work really well in an upscale neighborhood. It may not actually work mm -hmm. in a lower income neighborhood because the simple fact is the seller is going to want a certain amount of return on back for that. Mm -hmm. And you may not be able to afford it based on the price point you're looking for. So yep. again, so that's the, the benefit yeah. of working with a highly yes. you know knowledgeable local expert is to say, hey, you know what? In this area, that might make more sense to keep the kitchen the same, but let's update the bathrooms. Yes. It's cheaper. People will, you know, they use them obviously mm -hmm. every single day, and it won't affect the price point of the house. So you're still going to be able to attract the buyers that you're attracting. Yep. And again, it's all about build it out, look at it, look at the budget, see if it makes sense for mm -hmm. you. Right. Um, and ultimately, that's sorry, guys, but it's up to you. It is. You know what yep. I mean? It, renovations, curb appeal, whatever it is, can only do so much mm -hmm. as you're willing to do, as you're willing to put the effort in. Correct. Right? And unfortunately, so, uh, what's self-accountability is, is something that we that is a little bit lost. Yeah. If I, I, mean, you know, I, tell, if I tell a client, hey, here's the deal. I think we need about $25,000, $30,000 renovations to get a certain price that you're looking for. And that client tells me no, that's fine. Yep. I'm just here to explain the reasoning behind why. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's it. Because at the end of the day, I don't make any more money. If you spend $25,000 at all, it has nothing to do. You hired me to sell your home. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you the best way to do that for the price point that you want to get. If you want to follow that along or not, and we can take our chances, that's fine too. Yep. Just be prepared. Again, as we get more inventory on the market and buyers are having more choices and they're still stingy with their money, you're going to have to find different ways to stand out. Yep. And again, I'm going to do it just for the continuity of it. I'm going to go ahead and throw up picture one. And picture two, which one did you like? Yeah. Right. Again, perfect example. But also don't get me started on virtual staging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fuck virtual. Staging. Welcome. I welcome to 2020. Oh my God. It's awful. You know, it, it, my, my girlfriend used to work for lazy boy and they had a whole program for exactly that to set it out. And I can't tell you how often people would be like, wait a second, this doesn't, this isn't the same. No, it's weird. It's computer gen. It's weird. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's like, am I buying a Pixar movie or am I buying a house? <laughs> Congratulations. You now own Finding Nemo's sea anemone. Right. With a yeah. couch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, and, and you know, we've talked about some of the larger larger cost things, right? Like staging, yeah, $2,000 a month. Renovations can go anywhere between fifteen dollars to $30,000. Yeah, right? Or you pay the walls for two grand and call it good. Right. But there's also little things that a lot of people don't think about. And that really ties into curb appeal. Yes. Right. And what, you know, while we were looking, something that, during my research, something that really kind of struck me uh -huh. was the front door. Oh, dude. Hey, so think about it, but continue. Right? Well, and, and it makes sense, obviously, you know, the first, again, with the pictures that we've been throwing up, it makes sense, like, hey, yeah, but not a lot of people think about it. You get, if you've been living in a house for 10 years, how many times are you walking in with stuff in your hands, you're kicking the door open, right? You're holding the door open. How, how often... Is your is your door getting berated and hit? You have you have salt on your patio. You have whatever it is. That door is the entranceway to your house. It welcomes people. So I have a three year old that bangs on my door with sticky fingers all the time. Right? Yeah. And so I don't think anything of it because it's adorable. But <laughs> but if I were to sell my house, people are like, "Do you have a tiny gremlin that lives here?" Right. Probably. Yeah. A little dense. Whatever it is. 
again, it comes down to the visual. It comes down to that that first initial view of, oh, wow, okay. And then on top of that, not only repainting your door, and that's a lot of the time, that's all you have to do. Yeah. You don't have to, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, my grandmother just replaced her front door like six months ago, and she called me. She was like, yeah, I spent $3,000 on my front door. Yeah. That is beyond me, but hey, if doors are your thing, like I said, bathrooms are my thing. If doors are your things, go for it, baby. Do, so, do you. So here's just to delve in a little bit again to the psychology of marketing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we both come from a, bath, a Best Buy background. Yep. And if you guys visited Best Buys back in the 90s, early 2000s, very cluttered, boxes of TVs all over the floor. And as you walk in, your first thought is, I'm going to get a deal. Yep. Discount city, whatever it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, go walk into an Apple store. Two things about Apple stores that people, for some reason, still blow their mind when I tell them this. Number one, brightly lit, well-organized, not a ton of product on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is within reach, but it's very it's very structured. Yep. Number two, they don't have price tags. 100%. Okay? Mm-hmm. Why don't they have price tags? Because Apple understands that the, the visibility of the store and their marketing plan means that people just don't give a fuck. Yep. If a... AirPod costs $299. If an iPad Pro costs $1,100, it doesn't matter. They already walked in making that decision. But if you walk into an Apple store versus walking into a Sears, yep. you both places could sell the exact same product, mm-hmm. right? However, people are more likely to go buy it at a higher price at an Apple store yep. than they are at a Sears or a Target. I don't even want to talk about Sears. Sears isn't fucking exist. Well, I mean, but just but either way, it doesn't matter. Right? So the point is for your the front door, yep. right? What the first thing you see sets the tone for the rest of the journey in the house. That's it. If yep. it is a nice front door with clean steps, no clutter on the patio, mm-hmm. it's inviting, it's welcoming, yep. then there could be little issues inside the house that are now overlooked because the first impression was so good yep. that they don't care. Yeah. The flip side is also true. Well, and what I was going to bring up is just the power of marketing, right? Think about just to to kind of talk about a little bit of what's going on currently in the news, we see a lot of the stuff about TikTok being banned, right? Mm-hmm. And the security, whatever it is. If you dig into that, Facebook spent millions of dollars to do a marketing campaign. That's all it was, was a marketing campaign against TikTok. And it's working. It worked. But that is the value of marketing, right. understanding the human psyche enough that I'm sorry, guys, but marketing is meant to manipulation. That's the point mm-hmm. of marketing. It is to find ways to make you want to buy the product, right. right? So applying that to real estate, yeah, something as small as your front door in the entryway can do huge things. But now let's talk about something that's even bigger, landscaping. Yes. Right? And a lot of people don't even think about that. Like, oh, no, I don't need to edge my lawn. Again, picture one, picture two. Which one did you guys like more, Right. And that's the whole thing. People don't realize that, yeah, you're going to you're gonna spend a little bit to get your landscaping done, but what that's going to do is net you 9 to 14% more on your entire sale price. Right. Just by cutting the grass, trimming it, and doing something as simple as power washing your driveway. So if you're talking a $600,000 home, you're saying you can make $60,000 extra dollars. Just for doing your lawn. Right. Like it's, it, and that's the thing is, it sounds simple, right? It sounds stupid, but... That is the power of visuals. Well, and part of the reason it, it makes it makes such a big impact is because if I am seeing your home for the first time and I'm, I want to buy your house and I see an unkempt lawn, I see, you know, cracked driveway that's not been taken care of, I see clutter here, whatever it is, my initial thought is this individual does not take care of this house. You yep. have no pride, yep. homeownership pride, right? Mm-hmm. That then leads me to believe... Well, inside, what else did they take care of? As did they not? Point. Did they not take care of the furnace? Did they not change out the filters? Did they not clean their toilets regularly? Did yep. they not get a sewer line inspection? Well, Are to go back, leaks that they're just ignoring. Well, and to go back to the the showing that I had this weekend again, it was great. You know, I will say that the home is a little bit overpriced based on what it is, but the buyers, not me, the buyers looked at me and said, "Yeah, once an inspector or an appraiser gets in here, this home is going to have to come down." Right. So even the consumer, even the person looking can look and go, well, they didn't take care of the grout here. Right. The carpet looks like shit here. So what else is wrong? If you dig in, you're going to, you're going to do some stuff. So again, marketing sales tactics, disarm them at the door, 
put the work in. So to your point, I just two two very quick stories. Yep. Number one, uh, I sold a a one point two six million dollar house up in Larkspur. Mm-hmm. Okay, these guys had purchased the house, actually purchased the land, built the house from the ground up in yep. two thousand seven. We bought it in twenty twenty one. Right, so it's two years ago, and these individuals, the owners, were immaculate. Okay, I took my clients to go see the house. There's all these flora and rock paths and a little water feature. That was the first thing they comment on. They say, oh my God, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It blends in. This is amazing. It looks like it's well taken care of. The bushes well taken care of. Shrubs were, you know, uh, cleared. Yeah. Here's a five acre lot. Beautiful, right? Price of 1.2. We go inside. Floors needed to be redone, right? But again, it was at that point, it was what, 2010, 21, 11, so 14 years old, right? Older house. Yeah. We go downstairs to the basement. Every single time, once we went under contract and before every showing, they had the vacuum lines mm-hmm. in the carpets, right? Oh, oh and that, that I obviously morning. I noticed it. Oh. But my buyers were like, I love it. Oh. And I go, well, just out of curiosity, like, why do you guys love it? I'm so because it's just that that's euphoric for me. I you right. said that, you said that, and I just literally like, oh, got chills, right? I know. So <laughs> they did that, but here's what happens, right? So you've got vacuum lines, it's well taken care of, obviously pride of home ownership. When it came down to us, now having to compete against a different offer, my clients did not hesitate to go fifty, a hundred thousand dollars over. We were one point two. We ended up at one point two six five. That's sixty five thousand dollars yep. over asking just to win the house. Mm-hmm. Because then they knew once they got in, there wasn't gonna be any issues, right? Yep. Second story, and this is nothing, this is shout out to Chris Rosa, my cousin. So if you're watching this, he has a house up in right off of like Parker and two twenty five. Okay. Really cute neighborhood. Yep. Um, but he's very good at renovating. Like his back, his backyard is beautiful. He's got a beautiful patio, outdoor kitchen. He did. Nice. But the first thing I notice is he took his house number and has this really cool wooden sculpture with a house number, yep. with a little spotlight, walking up to this nice rock path. And if he were to ever sell that house, I guarantee you, that is the first thing somebody's going to notice. Yep. Because. It's unique, number one. Mm-hmm. Not every house has that, but it welcomes you into the house. Yeah. And you essentially set the tone. When you walk into my cousin's house, you go, oh, that's really cool. And then you go to the rest of the house. He's done a great job with the rest of the house as well. But now so you start noticing the nuances of what he's done to the rest of the house. Then you go out to the patio and you go, oh my God, the same time and energy and effort got put into that yeah. on the patio. It, and if I were to look at the house, I'd be like, this is, it sets the stage for your mentality. Exactly. You and it was home. something as simple as a house number right. on this wooden post and mm-hmm. spotlit. So if you drive by it at night in the evening, looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. His front area is perfectly clean and manicured and it separates it from a lot of the other houses on the same street. Hey, Chris, send us a picture of your house. so I can throw You it. should. Yes. <laughs> you should send a picture of the house because I, I love it. I talk about it all the time. It's That's fantastic. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, and two, it's two, even two examples, right? But it's something simple. Yeah, and then again, simple, right? Small, small thing. We've all seen it. If you're on TikTok, if you're on Instagram, whatever, YouTube, there's entire videos of people cutting lawns. There's entire videos of people that are doing power washing. Millions of subscribers for these videos. Yep. And I'm sorry for you to sit here and tell me, no, that doesn't make a difference. People are spending time, people. They're sitting there watching this guy edge grass. And at the end of the day, it's fucking fantastic. My, I love it. My mom, mm-hmm. to this day, right? She's in her 60s. She refuses, and I'm looking at you because I know you're watching this, <laughs> refuses to let anybody else mow her lawn yep. because she has a specific way that she wants those diamonds to be cut. And if you ever go to her house and you look in that backyard, you go, holy shit, this is a nice backyard. That's beautiful. It is edged to the nines. Like, I swear to God, she takes a protractor yep. and a level and goes through. Yep. But if she were to ever sell the house, right, and she never will because it's a beautiful home mm-hmm. here in Castle Rock, but if she were, her curb appeal would stand out yeah. against almost everybody else in there. Yep. Well, and and just quickly to, to go through it, you know, talking about the YouTube channel and stuff like yep. that, power washing, right? Mm-hmm. Power washing your driveway, the sidewalk in front of your home. If your home is crisp and clean versus the two to three that are next to you and it is literally shining, the, the color of your, your pavement is shining through, it's going to make your house stand out. And guess what? How much do you think it costs to rent a power washer? Well, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? $48 for a day at Home Depot. $48. And you can raise your home price. Yep. By by, by what? What would you say? It was 8%, 10%? Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So just power wash for $48. Well, we, we found out. So from a s- statistic standpoint, mm-hmm. landscaping 
is a 100% ROI. Yep. If you spend 30,000 on landscaping, you're going to get at least 30,000 back, mm -hmm. potentially more, especially, and I, the way I look at it, right? Like we look at the track homes. Yep. Okay. A lot of people would love land, privacy, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, and again, you have to do it tastefully, right? So make sure you get a professional vault. But if I have a track home, I'm doing it in my own house, and I have a neighbor on one side, I'd like some privacy with some trees and shrubs and whatnot. If I'm looking at purchasing a home, I will pay for that. Yes. Because not everybody has it. But mm -hmm. if I know I can go to my backyard in a track home community, yep. but still maintain privacy for my neighbors, I'll pay extra. I'm real weird. Straight up. I don't. I rarely have my blinds open because I don't want people to see in. Yeah. I'm not doing anything, but it's just a thing. Like It's a yeah. privacy thing. And yes. I'm 100%. Yep. Absolutely. When I'm ready to buy a home. But landscaping is a 100% ROI. Yep. Just so you guys know. If not more. Mm -hmm. you, I, I've seen statistics where it's 139%, 300%. Yep. Just for keeping your lawn and your landscaping. Mm -hmm. So Well, and, and to that point, now think about our, la our last point, photography, right? And, and, you know, we talked about it in the past- and it is a little bit of a pain point for real estate agents because as you get these for sale by owners, people who, as we've seen on the TikTok channel, think that they don't need real estate agents. And again, if you don't, good for you. If you do, I got you. We're here for you. We'll help you out. But I'm just thinking of me oh, tweets. Me tweets. Yeah. That's yeah. We're going to do an episode. <laughs> but photography in itself can completely change the game for you. And there's a very specific reason why. Yep. 97% of potential home buyers start their search online, mm -hmm. which means the first time they're seeing your house, probably the second and the third after they send it to their spouse and their dad and their mom and their cousin saying, hey, check out this house, is looking at the photo. Photography. And again, I'm going to put it up for you guys. Picture one. Taken by a Motorola Razor. And picture two. Taken by somebody who actually has photography skills. And, and, that, and that's it too. You know, Oscar touched on it episodes ago, but these photographers, and I'll tell you, I bought a camera and I'm looking and the lens that I have to get in order to take photography of homes accurately is $500. Mm -hmm. that, that is just the lens, not even just, the camera. No, it's the just the lens, just the lens itself, right? So there is reason behind it. On top there's skills of lighting and exact dimensions and angles and editing and editing. everything. People don't realize that photographers now have the ability with technology to remove a cloudy sky above your home. And increase and make it a clear sky or, or, or like a blue sky. Mm -hmm. That is incredible, right? The ability to to literally now you're altering what the home looks like in different areas. It, it's it's wonderful what they can do with it. No, it's amazing. It's mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, I I'm, you keep talking. I'm gonna look up because I saw yeah. the statistic earlier and I want to make sure. Well, and and the thing me. and the thing that comes down to it for photography for me is, can you do it with a cell phone? Absolutely. Should you? No. It's what it comes down to. Because yeah, if you want us to make fun of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And have homes sold with camera the cell phone camera photos? Yeah, absolutely. But again, we're talking about things that you can do that put you in a better position to sell your home. Well, and here's the deal, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this just blows my... Excuse my French. Blows my fucking mind. As a realtor, I pay for the photography. Yep. So when I see a realtor not do it, that blows my mind. Well, and that, that was that was a point right? that I was going to bring up was that is another reason to look at your agent because when I went to- Nothing a, to do. Like, you guys don't pay. You yeah. pay for that at all. Well, and when I went to the listing appointment with JC that one time, that was his, one of his big points was, hey, I am going to pay for this photographer because I know this photographer and I know that they will put your home in the best light to sell. And again, to talk about the value of a real estate agent, if you don't want to use a real estate agent to sell your home because you're worried about the the cost and, and what they're going to get. Guys, as somebody who's been in the real estate industry now for a year, coming from other industries, restaurant, retail, the whole point of this position, the whole point of this job is networking. It's more, this is the definition of, it's not what, it's who, right? Having the knowledge to sell homes and stuff like that. Yes, you're right. You can get that online. But somebody like Oscar, who's been in the business for 18 years, mm -hmm. I, like I said, I went to a Nuggets game with Oscar. We didn't even get three rows in to the seating before he said hi to 18 people. Mm -hmm. That is what that is another value point that you're adding. They know the right people. They have vetted and, and talked to them and said, hey, you're going to get me the best bet, and that's why I'm going with you. So here's, here's three quick statistics to back up the photography. Number one, I think the most important, because we talk about all the time, right? Like your pockets. What are you going to net? Again, this is crazy to me because... 
this, I don't even know what the percentage is. If I spend $0 and I make 18,000, it's 18,000% return on investment, right? Yeah. Roughly. Check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. <laughs> so real estate photographer, real estate photography, if done by a professional, done correctly, will garner anywhere from 2000 to $18,000 on top of the purchase price. Yep. Now, somebody goes, well, why is that? Simple, right? The reason that happens, because we talked about it, right? We're up to 97% start their home search online. Mm -hmm. Photography draws 60% more viewers to your home if it's professionally done. You had video tours, it's 75%. Yep. That's where you get that $18,000 increase. Not because the photos themselves make the house sell for more, but you get more eyeballs, more competition. Even, welcome to 2023. We have virtual reality. You and then put I, goggles on and walk through a house. And here's the third part. <laughs> Roughly 80% of homeowners make a decision based on emotions. Yep. So in order, if you talk about marketing, right? Super simple. I need somebody to look at your house. Sorry, let me get back to the mic. I need someone to look at your house and be emotionally invested. Yes. Number one. Now, once I have that one person who's emotionally invested, I need 80 people to look at your house and be emotionally invested. Because what happens is, if I have 80 individuals that are emotionally invested in your house due to professional photography, videography, 3D tours, drone photos, whatever, now I've got 80 emotionally invested people competing for your home, which now means you get a higher car, or sorry, higher price offered on your home. Cue the got meme. That's it. <laughs> Literally, that's it, <laughs> yep, right? Yep. Like it is, it is a marketing game. Mm -hmm. And if your agent, and we talked about this, I don't know if we talked about this podcast. There's a couple of like 1%, like yeah. I'm going to flat rate fee list your house or whatever. And they go, we do professional photos. It's not. They're they're not. And the reason they're not is because it, we, we pay for the photos. Yep. If I do, just so you guys understand, if I market your house correctly and I do professional photography, 25, 30 photos, and I'm going to peel back the onion on this so you guys really understand what the cost is. Drone photos, drone tour, 3D mapping, so I can do a little virtual walkthrough, mm -hmm. um, and then a listing website that garners leads, gets blasted out, SEO, search engine optimization on Google, Facebook, whatever it is. I'm spending roughly 1000 bucks. Yep. Okay? I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. A flat rate listing agent will not be good with that because that eats into the fact that they're not making a ton of money on the house. Mm -hmm. I only make as much on that house as we sell it for. Yep. And if we don't sell it, I don't make anything. So I'm okay with gambling understanding based on what I just told you guys, right? 97% start their home search online. 80% of decisions for home buyers are based on emotion if you take out investors. Yep. Professional photography gets 60% more eyeballs on your property. And at the end of the day, that is going to net you anywhere from two to eighteen to $20,000 more in asking price because of those other three factors. No brainer. I'll spend $1,000 to make you 18000 100%. And then on the flip end, again, know what he said. He'll spend $1,000 not because he's going to make more money on the transaction, but because overall it makes you more money on the sale. And that's something that I really want to drive home is that we don't... Well, dude, look at this way, right? So what did I just say? I'm going to make you $18,000 more on your house. Yeah. Okay? This is for the real estate agent haters out there, so yeah. I want you guys to fucking pay attention. If I make you $18,000 on your home, do you know how much that nets me? Give it to him. Well, 1% is 180 bucks. 2% mm -hmm. is... $360, another 0.8%, so they'll call it 460, 560, 550, maybe, maybe an extra $550. If I make you 18,000 more, mm -hmm. I make $540. I just told you I spent $1,000 minimum <laughs> on photos and videos and drone yep. tours and all that shit every time I list a house. So what I'm telling you is I am spending a grand to make negative $660. <laughs> So that yep. you can make eighteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars, like I need you guys to understand that. Yes, but I do it because my fiduciary duty mm -hmm. is to make you as much money as I possibly can. Yep, on your home, and this is one of the easiest. Ways. And to the to the people who talk about car sales, oh, real estate agents go are going to be selling cars. We don't have enough whiskey. Well, I, well, no. At the end of the day, I'm sorry, but I care more about the referral business than I do about your five hundred items. I'm, I care more about the experience. And yeah. And making sure people want to use me for but, whatever. And that's what I mean by the referral businesses. I care more so that when you speak my name and say, Charlie Sardelli is my realtor. It's a brand. You feel confident and you feel happy about it's that. It's a brand. Exactly. The people that say, you know, hey, we realtors make too much. You bought an iPhone versus an Android. Sorry. I like it. I like it. 
All right. <laughs> Ooh, we finished that heated. I love it. I love it. So now I think it's time to move into our one rock takeaway. Let's do it. Um, also, I love you. Yeah, I really do. Yes. And I do love the, the <laughs> I love the comments. Mm. Even if they're negative, I, I'm i totally do it. fine with taking constructive criticism mm. if it's constructive. If you're just going to tell me you fucking hate me, I don't care. Yeah. But if it's constructive, <laughs> let's have a dialogue. Yeah. Hell, come on the podcast. It gives me an opportunity to yep. learn. Exactly. Right? So exactly. love all you guys. Thank you guys for the support. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So um, one rock takeaway for, for this week's topic is... Don't be scared of an upfront cost. Look at your budget. Yep. See the best that you can get. Yeah, exactly. Well, just overall, whatever you're going to spend, yep. staging, renovations, landscaping, don't look at overall costs and get scared. Mm-hmm. Break it down. Work with somebody in finance. Work with yourself. Work with your agent and see if it's viable for you. Yeah. Mine is it takes less money than you think to get your house or to get more eyeballs on your house. We talk about landscaping. We talk about curb appeal. Yep. It could be as simple as hiring your neighbor to come mow your lawn twice a week for the time that you have your house listed mm-hmm. and edge it and put the rocks away. So they're not spilling into the driveway. It doesn't take a lot, guys. That was good. You know, it was real good. Right? I like that one? Real good. I like it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just, it, it doesn't cost as much as you guys think. Mm-hmm. Painting the interior of a 2,000 square foot house might cost you 2,500 bucks. If it nets you 4,000 extra dollars, cool. You're good. Carpet, $2,000, nets you an extra $2,000, you're cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't take a lot. If you want to do the major renovations and you're doing it for the sole purpose, like Joey said, then consult with us and, and we'll tell you straight up, yeah, you need to do it or no, don't worry about it. It's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. I, I'm I'm excited to to do the uh, the rock rating on this guy. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It was surprised, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And now that it's been- Shout sitting- out to, hold on, shout out to Jordan Ortega. Um, he is uh, one phenomenal realtor here in Crystal Valley, in Castle Rock, and in Colorado. He's fantastic. Uh, but he turned me on to Blue Note back about three years ago. So, I yeah. So I am pleasantly su- surprised by this by this bourbon. One hundred percent. Um, as far as as far as rock rating goes, you said it was forty five dollars, forty five bucks. As we've been sitting here, it's opened up changes the flavor yeah. is incredible mm-hmm. for other bourbons that we've had at this price point we've gotten yeah they're yeah, trying to think what what what's a good comparison then smoke wagon five bucks no smoke smoke it was 50 wasn't it 60 okay yeah. it, that was the that was the the okay. small batch rye was 60 yep yeah. okay so i mean it it'd probably be like the um what was one of those like 45 oak and eden yes yeah Oganini was fifty nine. So okay, that's probably a good comparison, though. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, the reason I that was up, also toasted. Yes, and and the reason that I broke brought out the the smoke wagon and, and even Oganini now is because, like you said, yeah, toasted barrel, right? The complexity mm-hmm. on this thing, especially after it's been open and sitting, is phenomenal. Yep, this the flavor on this is incredible. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it up there. Do it. It's a two. I love it. I it's love a two it. for me. Yes. It's, I love it's it. It's a two for I me. Mean, percent. I love it. Yeah. I agree because I'm, and as we've done these, right, it's kind of fun mm-hmm. because we've kind of evolved from a whiskey standpoint, yeah. being able to taste different flavors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you, you bring, you've brought up since the beginning, I'm starting to realize it now. As you let a whiskey or a bourbon open up, it morphs. Like it changes as the oxygen hits the, the liquor for the first time, mm-hmm. it starts to release some of the tannins. You get some different flavor profiles that weren't there from the very beginning. We talk about the neck pour all the time. Yeah. Like, and, and to me, like this probably started out between a two, five and a three. Yeah. And now it's a two for me as well. Solid. So I look at it and- I would yeah, say it started out as a four for me. Yeah. Honestly. I was about, I was about a three. Cause I did, yeah. I still could get the complexity. Yes. That burn was just a little yes. overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But if you compare it to the Oak and Eden, which again, not gimmicky, it has its point, but it does the little oak spiral in there yep. to kind of give it some extra flavor. Yep. And the Oak and Eden's fifty nine bucks. This is forty five, so fifteen dollars cheaper. This is more complex to me. One hundred percent. The flavor profile. I think it finishes the same, but it's more complex. And the other reason I'm going to give it over Oak and Eden, Oak and Eden was a eighty proof. Yeah. This is a hundred. Well, and that's what I what I was even going to say was yes. Oak and Eden had flavor, but it had the flavor because of the freshness. 
This one is done traditionally, yep. right? Using the French oak, 100% the flavors, the complexity of the flavor oh, yeah. versus oak and Eden. If we're using that as a, as a basis point, phenomenal. Well, I just, yeah, I figured it's two toasted barrels mm-hmm. right around the same price point. But yeah, I think the, the flavor profile for this is way more complex. It's changed over the course of this last hour, yep. which I think is fantastic. 45 bucks. Um, it's a special release, right? They they do they do bottle this, but it's not year round. Yep. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah. I think I, that's I, how we, I this how many twos have we, for that? How many to- twos have we given? Three, maybe two, right? maybe three. Yeah. Smoke wagon was one. Yep. This one, mm-hmm. and maybe the Elijah Craig. Probably, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that was two point five. Two point five. So three very very good bottles. Mm-hmm. But this is, I agree, this is yeah. a two. 100% yep. two. Oscar, I'm sorry you missed out on it, Dude, man. bro. Yeah, we'll, we'll drop it out of your house. <laughs> Let's pick up this bottle. But with that being said, guys, thank you for joining us. Remember, if you want to get in contact with us, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We put episodes out every week. But what's the YouTube channel at? The, the Mile, Mile High Perspective. perspective. Yeah. If you guys want to get a hold of us, you want to talk to us in person, I do have a link tree on the YouTube channel mm-hmm. that you guys can schedule a call with us. I've got the phone number. I'm going to put it here as well. 303-578-0263. It rings all of us. And then if you guys want to reach out via email, that is going to be R-E-S-O-T-R. So real estate served on the rocks, R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com. And again, we appreciate the support. Yes. We'd love comments. We'd love subscribes. We'd love likes. Let us Help us grow the channel. If you guys yep. find this valuable, send it to somebody that you think could benefit from the information. That's the whole reason we're doing this. If yep. you work with us, fantastic. Yep. If you don't, that's okay too because it just means that you are now more educated going into this absolutely fucking insane market with as many tools as possible to make your home shopping experience or home selling experience, whatever it is, as seamless and as enjoyable as we possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah. And with that being said, cheers. Cheers, guys. We'll you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video recording, subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Mile High Perspective.